Hey, everybody, and welcome to the What is this, honey? podcast, where we will be discussing everything from pop culture to reality TV to true crime documentary to my life and everything in between that makes you scratch your head and ask yourself, what is this, honey? Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back. As always, I am your host, Brandon, and this is a Real Housewives of New York recap, episode four, the most interesting girl in the room. I am solo today, you guys. I did some traveling over the weekend. I went to Veld Music Festival in Toronto, Ontario. For all of you girlies who may not know what that is, it's an electronic music music festival, okay? Oh, you're scratching your little head. Oh, aren't you cute? Yes, I had a great time. You can go to my Instagram and you can see all of the fabulous looks that I absolutely turned. Are you joking me? Not as fabulous of looks as we'd seen on this most recent episode of The Most Interesting Girl in the Room. Okay, I'm going to do a real Housewives of New York recap bust down right now. And then at the end of this episode, I'm just going to throw in my little two cents about Real Housewives of Atlanta. Because, honey, what in the goddamn hell is going on? Like, girl. So anyway, let's start from the top. Bryn. Um, we we are met with Bryn waking up in Aaron's bed. Slumber party forever vibes. Um, and Jenna sleeps over at Aaron's house. So I hope everyone's fucking happy. Okay. Um, it's just a nice morning. I completely, y'all, I had forgot that they was in the Hampton still. I'm glad they leave it. I had enough Aaron's house. It's a really cute. It's a gorgeous house. But I had enough of them being over there. And um, it's just really nice to see them getting along for about 15 seconds. <laughs> I do appreciate that they that they argue over dumb shit. Um, so they're they're all the ladies come down to make breakfast. Jenna obviously is so chic; she's in millions of dollars of bracelets, just like washing the vegetables. Um, because Aaron is going to make shakshuka. I don't know if you guys have ever had shakshuka. Sai does not seem to be a huge fan of the shakshuka. I, for one, am also not a fan of it. Um, yeah. I, I think it can be done really well. Maybe Aaron's just wasn't the best. But we learn about Uba's um, entrepreneurial endeavor called Uba Hot. Because they're going to use it as a garnish. As a sauce for the shakshuka. And um, I love a queen who comes into her first season ready to go. Yes, queen, step up to the plate and do what needs to be done. Yeah, we need you to have your business ready, your business plan ready. We don't need you to be trying to go get a loan from Peter Thomas or to try to jump into business with Peter Thomas. We need you to just already be, like, ready. <laughs> you need to be ready. And also, I want to try the Uba Hot. Listen, anytime somebody who's, like, ethnic, you know, comes out with, like, a spice or, like, a seasoning, 
I am at minimum interested in it. Okay. I'm interested. I'm not going to lie. It, uh, it, 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 I'm, I, I am, am I, yes, I'm beyond words. This Uber hot, I have ordered some. It's on the way to the house. I'll let you guys know how it is when it arrives. So they're sitting there at breakfast and um, they're just talking about like everyone's about to go home because it's Thanksgiving and like what they're going to do for Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, Jenna's speaking about her house being, you know, she's going to stay in the Hamptons where people are traveling and Erin's saying that she's going to be coming back to her house um, for the Thanksgiving break. Usually she's the one who hosts, which I don't know if you guys are people who do holidays. I am, I love it, but it's so exhausting. And I think that my husband, my husband-to-be, because everyone's like, you guys are already married, we know. I'm like, we're not. Okay. Um, we, I think he's going to only allow me to have the one child. So I think it'll be a little bit less chaotic than a lot of you girlies be happy to go through. But hosting... It is. And my man likes to fill every room in the house with guests. He loves that. He's like, okay, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We are going to fill every room with guests. And when they all leave, babe, you're going to clean up after them. <laughs> Which, to be quite honest with you... Like, I don't really mind at this moment because, like, we're on strike. But, um, you know, don't be making no assumptions. <laughs> it's just those, you know, it's just those things. My, I love the holidays as a child. It was, like, the only moment of the year where we could get, you know, that joie, the joy. So... Anyway, Erin is talking about how, like, she's really excited <laughs> to not have to host. So I, I can understand. I'm, I can clearly understand where she's coming from, honey. She doesn't really want to host because it's just exhausting. It's a lot. She loves it. But her mother-in-law has a house, like, 10 minutes down the road. And I'm just like, oh, Erin, you are such a New York City girl. Like, damn. Your mother-in-law lived down the street in the Hamptons, the Hampton house. They went to Miami for the spring and dad. It's like, y'all just do y'all just do the same stuff. It's nice though. It's like, damn, listen, our house is stunning. Let's be real. And I'm sure she makes a killing off the Airbnb because I can assure you she does that. Um, and because of this conversation about Aaron's mother-in-law being so close and how they're going to do Thanksgiving there, Bryn is kind of starting to open up, right? Which is, which is nice, you know? Nice to see her talk about her background and her upbringing. Um, and she's, at this point, she's giving us like a little sneak peek. She's kind of telling us what the tea is. She was raised by her grandmother. Um, the holidays, is, it's just not the best time for her. She's not really feeling it. And she kind of pivots and starts talking about one of the men that she had been engaged to, the, the, the most recent one, because, you know, Bryn's been engaged three times. <laughs> Engaged 19 times, prostitution whore. Um, yeah, she was, she kind of diverted. I can see, I could tell that she's accustomed to getting herself out of these sticky situations, talking about like really things that make her upset. And I understand it. You know, I'm the kind of person 
I would rather break off an engagement than get divorced. You know what I mean? Like, I would just rather not have to get into the, that's why I listen, premarital counseling, therapy, whatever you want to call it. Go to the, go do what you got to do, y'all. Because um, you just got to know. So, yeah, she's talking about that and um, she's planning on, um, she's going to go to London, I think, for Thanksgiving. She's going to go and they're asking her who she's going to go with and she says that she like typically goes by herself, but, you know. Her most recent ex-fiance has um he's gonna meet her out there or something like that. Before or after. So anyway, then they all just leave, you know? The person who can't wait to leave the most is Jessel. Jessel. <laughs> she has, for all intents and purposes, thrown her suitcase luggage from atop the second story foyer. Down the staircase, she's riding her luggage trolley out the front door into the car like she's over it. And you know what I think it is? And Jenna Lyons says something about it, too. She says, like, she doesn't think that Jessel is mean. She thinks that she's trying too hard. I think Jessel is wildly insecure and needs a certain amount of zhuzh to, like, feel comfortable. She needs just the right clothes. She needs to live in just the right neighborhood. She needs to, you know, you know, do all these little things to feel comfortable enough to just like exist in a group of people. And, you know, that's just what I think. You know what I'm saying? So then we start to learn a little bit about Aaron. Um, because they, we're gonna we're now gonna do like a montage of all the girl. Like we're gonna go one to one person's thing, one person's thing, one person's thing. So we start with Aaron. She's at work. She's speaking in Spanish to the workers because she's a really down-to-earth kind of chick. Honestly, though, when I see real estate developers and people like that in New York and they don't speak Spanish, I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? Come on, sweetie. You need at least one other language. This is New York. Okay? We're not in Omaha where you can get away with half English. No offense to anyone who lives in Omaha. It's just the first place. It's one of the only states in the United States that I haven't been to. So I assume that it's just, you know, I did, I did a like 47 state national tour of a Broadway musical. <laughs> and we, there were just like a few states we didn't go to. We're like, why are we going there? And they're like, yeah, that was one of them. So I don't know. I'm just saying. At any hoodles. Erin, we learned she is basically a nepotism. Her parents were in real estate, like high-end real estate, renting and selling homes to celebrities and, and very wealthy clients all around New York City. And um, she came into the business. She obviously, here's my thing with nepotism. I don't give a damn about it if you do great. Tracy Ellis Ross is Diana Ross's daughter. I don't give a damn. I just care that she's Tracy Ellis Ross. Kate Hudson is somebody's kid. Okay, it doesn't bother me unless you're trash. And then it, even then it doesn't really bother me if you're not good at what you do. I just don't subscribe to it. I'm not paying you for that. Like, it's no, you know, the skin off my back, sis. So, but I do think that's, I think it's important that she, that Aaron let us know. Yeah, my parents did this, my parents did that. So it was a natural segue for herself to then go into real estate. She started um, as a member on Frederick Eklund's team. And um, so she works at 
Douglas Element. And um, that's kind of where she started and springboarded. And she's, you know, she's killing the game. She said something about the numbers of how much she sold. I don't care about that stuff. I assume if you live in an apartment with the elevators opening into your kitchen, the second floor, third floor, you got a few dollars. I don't need to know how many because I really don't care. I like to see it, right? I like to see it more than you talk about it. And Erin is one of those girls. That's that's how you really do know she's like a New York City chick. Like you can tell, you can smell the money on her. You don't need, she doesn't need to talk about it. And out of all the girls, she is the one who talks about it the least. And it may be, is she the richest one? It look it looks like it, maybe her sigh. I don't know. So then we leave Erin at her workplace. And we go on to Bryn. Fantastic Bryn at the hair salon. And this scene, this scene has been getting like all this viral attention all over the internet and all of that. It was really beautiful because I wanted to know Bryn's ethnic background because of her hair. It is so thick and gorgeous. And I was supposed to have Simone on today to do this recap, but she had to she had to miss it because she's working. And darling, was I right about the extensions or was I right? Now I don't doubt that Bryn's hair is down her back, but she got a little help. You know, this is a real this is a real expensive extension, okay? And so she walks into the salon. There's this gorgeous dark-skinned woman there. And they're obviously like girls. Like they like chat. And um, I do love when the show is produced because like this is one of those moments where like, okay, and now we're going to talk about your experience as a biracial woman who was raised by a white lady. And Brynn is so epic as a reality TV personality because she really does handle this situation in a very authentic kind of way, even though we know that it's been pro- I know at least. That it has been prompted. She's at the hair salon and she's having a kiki with her girlfriend, who's who does her her stylist, I should say, who probably is also her girlfriend. And they're just talking about what are we gonna do today? You know, when's the last time you were here? You just want like your signature look, blah 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 blah. And um, you know, Bryn is delighted to be in this salon with this woman. She is absolutely thrilled. She's it's like the highlight of her week. She's going to spend X amount of hours getting absolutely slayed. And by the way, um, wow. Like I, for me, when I like, so my mother used to do hair for like 25 years. So for me, I had this very kind of nostalgic experience with being in hair salons and seeing how like people can be transformed, their confidence, how they can, Come in, look at one way, walk out feeling a different way. And you could just see that, like, Brynn's hair is a part of her superpower. And the way that she can express herself with her hair um, and how it is such a connection to her identity. And being biracial and how being at the hair salon was one of the only times that she was around black people in general because her parents were not in her life. Though her mother was white and her father was black, neither of them were in her life. She was raised by her grandmother who adopted she and her three, her two siblings when she was six months old. And it just, it she's going to kind of start to open up about it at the end of the episode, but it seems like just tons of neglect and, and, and um, abandonment 
And just from my personal experiences, it seems like her parents were wrapped up into drugs and stuff like that. And that's, that's terrible, especially when it's both of them. I mean, I have my own personal experience with a parent who has um, addiction issues and who has gone through the 12-step program and have had many sober decade and then relapse, et cetera. It's not easy. And um, I was lucky that I didn't know about those issues until I was much older. And so it's presented itself as an issue in my adulthood, but I'm an adult now, right? I go to therapy. I have the, the tools, in, you know, to, to be equipped to, you know, deal with these issues. And it's very obvious that Bryn has not really dealt with them. I'm sure she's in therapy. I'm sure she's trying her best, but this is such a deep rooted issue from the time of birth until now. And you can really see, she was saying how her grandmother's, friend who happened to be a black woman saw these little biracial kids and said honey you got to take these kids over to the hair salon now what are you doing with these kids head <laughs> and that started her journey and her connect and that is her and, and it seems in the pain is that that is her only connection to like black family Black people, other than her friends, you know what I mean? There's only so much that your friends can do to supplement. Like, they can't, you know, that's not a part of your their your history. Your friends are not a part. The friends you make in New York City after you escape the South and escape, because I know this. I only have one or two that I actually still had there. But they don't know you in the way that the people who knew you when you was five, six years old, the, the people who went to Blythe Elementary School with me, the people who went to Bradley Middle School with me in North Mecklenburg High School, you know, it's a different, it's a different level of understanding. And, that, and not having a family who has seen you through all those years, and you have, you know, the hair salon, I can see, like, this was very touching for Bryn. It was very touching for the viewers. There was a really great um, response I could see on social media about it. So that was great. Um, that was that was a gr really great to see. And then we move on to Uba's house, which is oof, not a re not a really another moment because she's speaking about Uba has her mentor and her her business associate and um, come over and she's venting to her and kind of wanting to get from what I could see some guidance about Uba Hot and who's going to invest in it how she's going to navigate, you know, being an entrepreneur, but also like needing a board of directors and needing support, needing money, needing the cash. And she was saying that the person that she would always go to about these sort of things was her mother. And her mother passed away several years ago. And she's still, you know, it's just like, I personally, it's in these moments that like, I'm so grateful that my mother is someone who is so healthy and, and spry and she goes to the gym every day and she, you know, I don't really worry about that. Obviously, anything could happen, but I'm definitely not in any position, much like em em emotional maturity, to be able to lose a parent at this point. I, I don't think anyone ever is, but you can just see the weight and the magnitude of that loss on Uba. Um, and, you know, she's working through it. It's great to see her strength, it's great to see her being able to name it. Um, and to be able to be so eloquent about the way she feels, because a lot of y'all motherfuckers out there, baby, we all need to take notes for Miss Uba. 
And I'm sure she's going to have to, you know, I'm sure someone's going to push her to the edge this season and we're going to really see her without all this, the sunshine and rainbows coming out of her ass. But it's nice to see her navigating this moment and um, being able to be so vulnerable in regards to the loss of her mother. So Sai has decided, because of all of this and all these shenanigans that are going on, she's going to have a Bryn's giving dinner at her brownstone to bring Bryn in with the girls, to give her some love when the rest of the ladies are going to have to leave for the holidays and go do their own thing. Um, and it's so funny because Sai, let me tell y'all something. Sai is very me. When you have lived a certain way, okay, when you have been below the bar, when you have been underneath of poverty, there's certain shit you're not going to go back to. And one thing about living in New York City, if you have lived in circumstances where you don't have like help or where you don't have, you know, the parents who are going to come clean up after your dirty ass. When I was a nanny, I would be like, let me tell you something. You better not go in that room and clean up his motherfucking shit. You take them dirty ass clothes and you put them inside his pillowcase. And you make him sleep on them dirty ass clothes. He don't want to smell that shit all night. You do too much. You do way too much. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, you really don't because I do it um, <laughs> as your nanny. <laughs> but size like when you guys get to my house, make sure you take your shoes off. She even sent them a preemptive text message. Ladies, I hope you got your pedicures and your sock game on fleek because you will not be wearing your shoes in my house. And I respect that on a, on a monumental level. Okay? When I moved to New York City from North Carolina, I didn't have allergies. Okay? Okay? I didn't have crickety, rickety-ass hips and knee joints. There are a lot of ailments. There is, there is a lot of shit that New Yorkers have to do on a daily basis just to survive, okay? And one thing that I am not going to get is pink eye from your nasty ass shoes that you want to come in my house and get in my bed with your nasty ass shoes. Like, sis, if you want to, and this is what me and baby used to always say, if, we, if you want to have a party in New York City, you rent a venue. And you go, you go over there to that venue and you have a party. If you want to have friends over, you have friends over. And they remove their shoes upon entrance. So when Aaron gets there, she's like, ah, take my shoes off. It's a part of my whole look. Girl, you should have read the memo. Her outfit was cute, though. Aaron gives, like, silent wealth. Like, which wealth is silent rich screams? That's why I'm always yelling. Um, she, I just love the way she dresses. It's just, it's very New York. Like, she's got the smallest amount of Botox. It's like, no, I'm just, like, really pretty. So, Sai's going to, um, Sai's going to have the girls over for Friendsgiving. We'll, we'll get to that. I've already spoiled the fact that Aaron shows up with shoes and she's mad about it. But anyway, Sai calls all the people. She invites everyone. She wants to gossip about it with Brynn. You know, the whole Jessel thing. And Sai's husband gives, like, very wise words. And it's like, well, you know what? She hasn't knocked boots in two years, but she also had twins. And, like, she's this and she's that. And he's, like, really giving her the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, yes. You better be the voice of reason here. Okay? I love Sai and her, man. Like, it reminds me so much of Will and I. He's actually due to retire in the next ten years. And I would love... 
to like have my big glow up and like my man retiring just like be supportive and like able to be the stability at home that we need in our family um because you know he listen i love it no one cares when the wife stays home and like takes care of the family like no one gives a shit then so i love it and he's clearly had a career before and like let's just be fucking real so we move on to um to jessel's home and she's with her her little baby boys and they're literally running around crazy because they're toddlers and it's like what else do you expect i mean everyone's like these toddlers are crazy and i'm like they're they're two years old they're two years old some of y'all have been acting crazy and y'all are two years away from 50 so what is your excuse (laughs) Um, it's just very interesting because, um, the nanny comes to pick up the twins to take them for a walk and Jessel and Pavic just get a moment to discuss potential preschools. And this is the reason why me and my man live upstate, because when you think about the cost of childcare in terms of like, but all your friends are doing this. Because Jessel wants to go to the school where she can be like, oh my god, and Nikki Hilton's son goes here. I don't give a damn about none of that stuff. And if I live in a certain neighborhood and my kid can't get into the school, I'm going to be pissed. And I'm also not doing what a lot of New York City parents do is move. they will move to certain areas, certain neighborhoods that they can get the good public school, like the, the free. I'm Povit. Send they asked to public school to give them, they asked some character. First of all, they are living in the lap of luxury. They can go to public school. It is just such a harsh reminder. So we have a friend who lives near us upstate, but also um, mainly lives in the city full time. And um, he's much older. And, um, you know, just for comparisons, he has a kid who's my age, 34, and he has two kids who are under the age of five because he's remarried. And they're going through this tizzy about where the kids are going to go to school. And we're just like, why don't you just send them to school up here? I'm like, girl, why not? Just send them to school, at least for preschool. I mean, if, they, if you want to send them to high school to like a prestigious preparatory, but you have to start them out in the right preschool so they can go to the right elementary school. It's too much. It's too much. Just so they can go into finance and get on my nerves? Like the rest of y'all kids? <laughs> Jessel, leave it. So they have a conversation. Poppet's like, no, we're going to look at other options, babe. Don't get it twisted. This is not the final end. This is not the final countdown. But they move on because Jessel is, you know, she's reminiscing (laughs) about her weekend in the Hamptons and she did not really enjoy it. And she felt like it was a pile on and everyone was coming for her. And Hobbit immediately, for some reason, wants to justify the lady's reaction to her behavior. And I wonder why that is. (laughs) Because Jessel's kind of a complainer, y'all. She's kind of a complaining Karen. She, it's just, it's, she can't be happy. She can't be happy. She can't do it. And 
Hobbit's the first one to be like, you do have a certain tone of voice. And I'm like, oh, you, the, the look in your eyes is giving me, I don't give a fuck about what you're saying. Just like you're so fucking annoying, dude. And now, thank God, your friends are telling you that you are. Is that why she spewed at the premiere? I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't, I don't know the detail. They said she was really tired from traveling, but I'm just like, you know. It's like, oh, no one's paying attention to me. But I like that he was able to kind of tell her, like, you know, you can kind of be. She's like, so you're telling me I'm a bitch. And it's like, I would never say that. He's like really understands the art of conversation. But do you know what? Like, let me know what you guys think, because I hate to be rude and controversial. But when she brings up the not having sex thing, Hobbit doesn't seem to be concerned at all. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's no amount of blowjobs that I could give to make my man not want to go take a trip down to pound town. Okay. In two years. I think that's a lot of the reason why, you know, and and then Pavit makes this comment about like, when you get married, you never have sex again. That sounds that I don't know who lied to y'all and told y'all this. What in the fucking hell? What actually goes on between the sheets of y'all home? Apparently a lot of nothing. Because a lot of y'all just think it's a, I mean, like, I'm not trying to get in their business. All I'm going to say is this. I would be very nervous that he is not clapping somebody else's cheeks. Jessel. Jessel. Can you hear me, girl? Now, I hope, now, I would pray that between the, the when that was filmed and now when this is aired that you have bounced on that man real quick. Because if not, we got a real issue. Somebody once told me that you need to start really where and listen after childbirth yes let's be real a lot of people go like they like wait their six weeks and then they go straight back into you know bonerville i think it's definitely more nuanced than that you know some people don't want to have sex while they're pregnant so it's 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 very it's a delicate situation delicate so i'm not trying to be insensitivo but you know She, did, she, she didn't say since pregnancy. She said since the, the twins were born. And they are two years old. I don't know how... I'm horrified. Pavit been out there. He been, he been fucking. I'm just saying. That's what I think. I'm not making a... Starting a rumor saying that I heard that or that it's alleged. I don't know shit. But in my mind's eye, it looks like Pavit is doing something. Okay? Because he's stressed out. Them kids got them stressed out. A lot of stress happening. Um, but I'm glad to know that, yeah. The people around Jessel know she's a complainer. Hopefully this will be an eye-opening experience for her to see herself on television. Because, um, sis. And l listen, is it the most offensive, horrible? It's not. It's really not. It's just, you know. It's like, Jessel... Are you going to be okay, Jessel? Jessel? It's like I'm absolutely one of those Love Island characters. Jessel? Oh. So anyway, 
we move on to Brinsgiving. Right. Sai is immediately throwing shade at the at Aaron's Hampton's getaway because she's like, you see all this food I've got catered? I would never let my guest be hungry. And I kind of love that. <laughs> I kind of love that because I'm like, yeah, girl, I mean, and this is only for one night, okay? A cute little dinner party. Okay? One thing I don't like about these kind of things with the dinner parties and this kind of open plan, this is why the open plan in y'all's homes is a bit strange. It, it, it's like, I don't want to see the prep. Am I alone in there? I'm willing to stand alone. I know that. I don't give a damn. I don't necessarily want to see the prep and the and the to-go containers and the, you know what I mean? I don't necessarily want to see that. So I, I suppose, I mean, my kitchen at my house is ginormous. So I guess that wouldn't really bother me. And so is size kitchen. Let's be honest. It is very big, but it's also New York City brownstone. So it's like, it's big for, for New York. I don't know. It was the, the table setting was cute. Her, I just love when the when they when you see the staircases at these brownstones, and it's like, oh, we're gonna go down to the basement. Oh, we're on the main floor. Oh, we're gonna go up to the living quarters. Like it's just get it, Sai. Get it, Sith. But um, yeah, no, the 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 chef is there and married to Bryn's much of her, to Bryn's woes and to her um disparagement, disparagement. I heard disparagement to her um dismay. Let me just throwing in a word. <laughs> but um, no, all the ladies arrive and they all look great. And um, they're just catching up a little bit. And we learn that Aaron's grandmother has just passed away. She just, you know, been to her memorial. She was 94 years old, which, you know, I listen, I feel like when someone lives that old, we really should celebrate their life as opposed to mourning. You know, I'm, I'm like, come on now, sis. People used to live to be 40 and die. And the the amount of hell they had to go through in that 40 years of plague, building their own homes by hand, what? Absolutely not. Hospital Street. So we start to talk about the cackling hag moment. Because I believe Jessel needs to go to the restroom or like Jessel wants to go see something of size. And so Jessel and Sai kind of duck off. And the rest of the ladies are there. And it's just so funny because I guess Jenna Lyons doesn't realize what show she's on. I guess she doesn't really understand that when she opens her mouth and says something, it's going to immediately spread like wildfire because that's the point. So as soon as she told Aaron, as soon as she told etc., they was going to have to tell everybody. And so now it's coming up. and. Uba is trying to figure out what a cackling hag is. And it's so funny. She thinks it's a vagina. She thinks, I mean, she has so many thoughts as to what it could be and what it is. And it, they're all wrong. Um, and so they don't, they don't get bring it up when Jessel and Sai arrive back, you know, to the main level where all the girls are. So they go sit down and they're just catching up together. And, um, Sai sort of opens up the table and welcomes everyone and kind of discusses the purpose of the Bryn's giving. And immediately you can see Bryn is starting to get red in the face. And she's starting to get a little bit uncomfy. 
and size kind of I'm not going to the I'm not going to say that she was being intrusive or that she was like probing her but she was kind of encouraging her you know in a much more like straightforward New York way than like she wasn't doing the Kyle Richards be honest be honest she was just saying you know open up to us let us know you know why this time of year is so challenging for you specifically and Bryn is like no I don't really want to. I, I I I I don't I don't want to. And it's so sad. She's locked this feeling down. She has really pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it down. And um, it's really sad to see that she's she hasn't really gotten a lot of um, closure on this. And and it and it's sad. It's sad to see because she's moving into her adulthood. And I do appreciate that she's not willing to jump into a relationship and she's not willing to, you know, do XYZ um until she's healed, until she's got her shit together. But I feel like just so sad. Because she's really struggling and she's got these feelings of abandonment and these these feelings of uh rejection and um Thanksgiving and the holidays, it really is all about being with your family, you know? And I, listen, I've done the chosen family thing. Don't get me wrong. I know what it's like to say, my family doesn't get it. They're, you know, I'm a big old fag, whatever it is. I'm a queer, I'm a queen, I'm a this, I'm a that. I had to go out and find it on my own. And I have been very, very lucky to have had such a strong chosen family and all these people to surround me with love, etc. Um, but everyone doesn't have that, and everyone isn't as comfortable leaning into that. Some people feel like they're in positions and that they are burdens on people. So I feel for Bran, and the episode kind of ends there with, you know, a to-be-continued, which Bravo, Chow Bravo loves a to-be-continued Chow. She loves it. So I'm excited to see how this next um, episode unfolds. I'm officially obsessed with this season. I mean... When I say I'm obsessed with it, I mean, like, I am obsessed with the season. It's, it's a hit. Um, this is going to call into question whether all of the franchises need to be rebooted. I don't know. Maybe they do. I can hear the Miley Cyrus song right in my brain going, Maybe you're right. <laughs> Maybe you're right. I am. I think I am. <laughs> so I just wanted to touch on Real Housewives of Atlanta's most recent episode. Um it oh, I just um I don't know. It's it's the Peach Passion episode. Candy is going to celebrate her anniversary with Candy Coated Nights and her Candy Coated Nights merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. The other ladies are um, going to support her. And to be honest with you, all the other other ladies got stuff going on, but really what I want to talk about is this Drew Toya lie situation. And the fact that Marlo is acting like Scott Lee is her new husband. You've been a one-day girl. I, they only filmed for three months. What the hell is going on, Marlo? Now, Marlo seems that she wants to calm down in this episode. So, like, I'm going to lay off her a little bit. But that's just what I just want to say. Girl, this, you, you're really dragging this story. The storyline this season is weak for you. But for this to be your first season with the peach, it's a week. 
next week. Um, so let's just get down to it. What really was at the forefront of my mind was this discussion about Drew and Toya and whether they kissed or not. And, and it's just so we go through a bunch of crap. We do get to see Cynthia this episode. Cynthia makes a little cameo. She meets up with Candy. She kind of talks about her divorce. And then they sort of start to chop it up about the ladies of the group and this shit with Drew. And Drew is... This is how you know when... Hmm. I personally think it's all kind of muddy. Because at the end of the episode, you see Candy being like, oh, I don't know. Listen, I could be wrong, whatever. But I've been on nights out like that with the girls when you're drinking tequila and blah, 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 blah. My man would not get pissed off if I kissed one of my friends. He would get pissed off if somebody says something about that shit in front of me or somebody says some shit about it and he did not know. Or or if he looked at me dead in my eye and was like, did you do that? And I was like, and I lied. But around the girls, I'm like, kikiing about it. Now, Drew's not kicking with the girls about it. She's definitely sitting 10 toes down, okay? But it's just a weird dynamic, and it's very interesting, too, because it's about, I think, Drew's image is more important than her reality and her truth. And I don't even think it has anything to do with being a woman or kissing a woman. I think it's like she would, I would never let myself be in a situation where I would, you know, cheat on my husband or you know, what have you. But now that we know all the things that we know, and then so at Candy's event, which, by the way, my queen, my mother, my goddess, uh, T.S. Madison had a little cameo in the episode as well, and that was very lovely, but um, so Toya comes to the damn and she's so annoying. She comes to the damn shit and she's like, I'm upset with you, Candy. I was not there to defend myself and blah, 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 blah. And, do, do, do. and basically, Toya is just saying, like, I don't want no smoke, bitch. This was so long ago. I don't really remember. Because y'all, as y'all remember, her, her season, the girl was drunk the whole damn time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, I, if it was me, I'd be like, girl, I don't remember. Sure, yes, I kissed her. She got some supple ass lips, and that's one thing Drew do got. I just find Drew to be a little bit like. I wanted to get an acting job. She's a really good actress. I mean, for real. It was just it was just weird. It was just weird. It was annoying. It was strange. The episode was just not giving what needed to be given Kenya over here talking about she wants to have another baby I don't even know what the tea is right now I don't know what the tea I don't know what I'm supposed to be following you know what I mean but I do want to congratulate Candy on her excellence because she really is a pioneer you know she was doing the sex toy things her candy coated nights her dungeon tour and listen everybody was looking at her cry let's just be real Y'all was being judgmental as hell because you know how black people is. But I am so happy that she pushed forward and she has had this, this liberation and this moment. And um, the whole thing was just a bit strange to me. 
what are you guys thinking of the Real Housewives of Atlanta? It kind of took took down. Zell and I were actually going to do a recap of this episode, but I was in Toronto and I was coming back on Monday, flying back, and I absolutely could not pull myself out of bed. I mean, I was so weak, and not from dingling, okay? Well, a little bit from dingling, I guess, but I was just just episode weak, darling. So it was just it was not the pristine time. But I promise, yeah. I'm going to get more, I'm going to get these episodes out to you, okay? I am loving the Bravo-verse at the moment. And listen, y'all, I don't watch Below Deck, but I also heard some some real Below Deck tea was happening. Some real Below Deck tea. Y'all was heralding some, some this lady? Well, herald her. Maybe when I get Simone back, we can talk about it. I'm not exactly sure, but why don't you give me a five-star rating and review? Head on over to What Is This Honey Podcast on Instagram. Give me a follow. Give me a like. Give me a subscribe. Whatever makes you feel clever. And I will see you next time.